Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. And we are joined today by a very special guest, Leva Bates, also known as Blue Pants, a professional wrestler, cosplayer extraordinaire. And uh, we are doubly excited that she's joining us on this episode, because not only is she a wrestler in an episode about wrestling, but she's currently one half of the Shimmer Tag Team Champions with her partner Delilah Doom. Um, she is also uh, the Atomic Bombshells champ, and um, oh, there's another one. It's escaping me. Leva, you're going to have to help me out on this one. What's the other title that you currently hold? Yes, I am the Heavy and Wrestling Women's Champion. And hi, guys, how's it going? <laughs> uh, great, great, awesome. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. We're, we're thrilled to have you on the show. Yay! I must admit that uh, part of the reason why we're having you on the show is a little bit selfish because it is our mission by the end of this podcast to uh, have you commit to cosplaying as Sam and Al with Delilah Doom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually had a a friend of mine who saw that I posted last night doing homework and it was a picture of like Quantum Loop on the screen. (laughs) Oh my God, are you and Delilah Doom with Quantum Loop for Shimmer? That might be the greatest thing of all time. She could be out, you could be Sam, and you could, like, one of you guys could, like, jump into the rest of the body. It would be so awesome. Yes. Like, oh, my God. That would be amazing. Like, we had all these ideas of how we could, like, play it, and then we could have, like, Alice in Danger as Ziggy. Yes. Oh, my God. So, that would be awesome. So, like, he, he had all these ideas. I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this taping to be quantumly, but maybe if I can convince Danger, we might be able to give it a go in the future. So, you're like, oh, my God, please. So, yes. So yeah, so it's already happening. It's already happening that people are like, yes, are you doing this? Because you should be. <laughs> that is so cool. That would be awesome. That's, I, I, I'm already anticipating this will be our most downloaded episode so far. <laughs> we're going we're to be getting the Leva Bates bump. Woohoo! I hope that's a bump. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm like... I get all these followers, but then sometimes you post something and it's like, wait, where's all my likes? Right. Y'all don't like that? No? No? Where'd y'all go? Are y'all no, yeah. Yeah, all there's all always... followers <laughs> Yeah, there's always that anxiety after you post something, like, where, where are the likes? Did I say something really stupid? What, What's going on? I'm just going to delete that. <laughs> yeah, in the billions of people that on Twitter and no one responds. Yeah. <laughs> I remember just tired of me posting about, like, costumes or k-pop so maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so i do want to before we get into the episode which i definitely want us to do uh soon uh i did want to ask you leva just quickly about um 
the cosplaying, because for those listeners that aren't aware, um, part of, of your gimmick, if you don't mind me saying, your gimmick is that uh, you cosplay for every match. Uh, and it's always great because obviously the, the costumes themselves look fantastic, but you usually kind of take on a little bit uh, of whatever character you're inhabiting. And uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. And so I'm just curious how long it usually takes you um, to come up with, with the costumes, with the cosplay. I mean, imagine some are a lot longer than others, but just in general, oh, yeah. how uh, how long does it take you? Um, it depends, honestly. Uh, recently, I'm pretty much cranking out at least a costume a week. Uh, so like, let's, say, let's say the show is Saturday. I'm usually working on it Sunday or Monday. And a lot of times I'm traveling on Sunday or roughly on Sunday, so it's like Monday, Tuesday, I start on it. Um, but this song, like with Shimmer, I have to start playing it a little bit more because not only am I doing at least four, I always bring extra because you never know who you're wrestling, what's going to work, what they want you to do. Because uh, with Shimmer, you don't really know what's going on just because it's the way they run it. Because you don't know like if someone's going to stop at the border or, or someone's going to get injured or... Well, we were going to have you guys tag, but now we're going to have you do the singles match. So you always have to compare. So I always pack, like, at least five costumes, if not six, uh, for Shimmer. And then now I do a tag, I always have to pack stuff for my tag partner. <laughs> so I, I got a lot of stuff to work on for Shimmer. Uh, so, like, I'm already started on it. But, yeah, this is kind of, like, crunch for me right now. Normally I start sooner, but I've just been – so busy, I can't. So some of them are a little bit on the simpler side, but it's still really, really cool. I hope people dig it. Uh, this this one that's gonna be a little more complicated. After we decided to do it, I'm like, why did we decide to do this? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We're still narrowing down the other ones. Um, I think, like we were discussing, I was like, all right, well, this is good if it's a tag team, but also if for some reason I'm wrestling without you again or you're wrestling without me, this works as a singles. So there's a couple we have that are, like, purely only tag. Like, it only works if it's a tag. There's, like, two that are like that, or maybe one. And then the other ones work really well for a tag, and the other ones can also work for singles. So that way we give, you know, the, the production team all the options they need. Because, again, you don't know to add people, take off people. People have travel problems. People get injured last minute. All sorts of crazy stuff happens. So uh, with Shimmer, you definitely have to be prepared, as opposed to, let's say, like this weekend, I am wrestling uh, in Texas, but it's like me versus Shotzi. It's pretty straightforward. You know what I mean? It's not like crazy stuff. She might miss her flight, and I might have to do it, but the outfit I'm thinking of doing will work for anyone. It really works well for her, but it's not like, oh, well, I need to pack like 12 outfits just for this one match. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot different. So it's just, Shimmer's a whole nother beast. That's that's a little bit crazier than it would be like for my normal weekends. So it's like okay, so Friday I'm doing this, Saturday I'm doing that. Uh, if I'm wrestling Sunday, Sunday I'm doing this. Uh, sometimes I I've learned the value of reusing a a costume or a gear or something because I I just don't have the time. As much as I would love to have a new costume every single match, sometimes you're like, well this this crowd hasn't seen this yet, or I'm working with this person again, and they loved it so much. Like, for instance, I'm going to probably ruin it, because I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or not, but uh, when I wrestled against Effie for the best title, I came dressed purely as him. Like, it was almost like a female clone of him. Uh, where I got 
to do a six-man tag together this weekend. And I'm probably just going to wear that gear again since I'm tagging with him because it matches him perfectly. So we're going to, yeah. So, I mean, we they switched that one person in our, in our match, so I may end up cosplaying that person just because it would be easy. Or maybe I'll do a mosh posh. Now that it's a six-man, maybe I'll wear the Effie Daddy tights, but then it's uh, also my lobby, so maybe I'll come in with the beanie and the, the flannel over it. You know what I mean? Like, because he's like a homeless guy with a teddy bear. So I might play that up, like homeless daddies or like daddy bears or something. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with a cool name <laughs> <laughs> for a six-man. So again, it, it literally is different every week. But like back in the day, like I did Pyramid Head. And the head alone took me, was it two weeks, three weeks to do? And that was just for the entrance, because obviously you can't wrestle in a pyramid head. So, yeah, I've done some psycho things, but <laughs> believe me, I would try. If anyone's going to try, it would be me. But I was like, yeah, that's bigger than my whole body. So, the last thing, and the thing is, I didn't want to break it. I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about breaking it. So... <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to break it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, I've done some crazy stuff in the past where it's taken a couple weeks to do. Most of the time, it takes me about a week now. Plus, I've been doing it for so long. I know what works and what doesn't work. So, boom, 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 boom. Let's knock this out. Nice. Right on. No, that, I mean, that makes sense. That's uh, that's super cool. And it's always one of the things that I've loved, you know, uh, about watching you and, and seeing your work. And it's funny because uh, the last Shimmer weekend when I was there and you and Delilah Doom came out in the um, the Back to the Future getup, um, I had to, like, text Dennis right away um, uh-huh. because obviously he's a huge fan of Back to the Future. Um, oh, yeah. where, where did you pick that up at? Dennis's other podcast is uh, is named Dad to the Future, so he's a big Back to the Future fan, obviously, as yeah, most of our listeners know. Like most of the Marty stuff was actually my stuff. Like I, I just used my old Marty stuff and handed it right over to her. Like here you go, wear whatever you want from this. And like you have to, I at least pointed a few things. You have to at least wear this, the puffer vest. You have to have this and this. So I like pointing at certain items that she had to wear because. Usually my partners, I don't force them to go full tilt unless they really want to go full tilt. Like we did uh, a cosplay in California together where we were another tag team called P.P. Ray. One of the guys had a mustache, and that's kind of what he's like, famous for. Like, it's his mustache. That's, that's one of his trademarks. So she ended up drawing. It was her idea, too. I want to draw his mustache on me. So, yay! He's embracing it! I really want to do that. So, so yeah. Uh, but, yeah, with with that, that was exactly my Marty outfit from when I did it with Alice in Danger. Now, the Doc outfit was all different because Danger provided her own, for the most part, Doc stuff, and I couldn't find the jacket. I had the jacket, so I was like, you know what? I'll just do this all real quick. I was able to find the jacket pretty easy, and then I found a million watches, and you know, I found a shirt that was really close. I went to Goodwill is your best friend when it comes to cosplay. I'm not going to lie, especially with stuff like that. You go to Goodwill... A lot of times you find stuff that's almost dead on or like exactly it. You're like, oh, wow, that's, that actually really works. That looks just like it. Okay, boom. Or you can alter it. Like we're just like, oh, well, if I make this, take sleeves off and add this, boom, there you go. So I've become like the queen of like altering things too. I'm like, ew, I can make this shirt into a bathing suit. I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
Um, well, I guess we should probably, uh, you know, jump in and do the episode. Let's talk about uh, Quantum Leap, right, Dennis? What do you say? Yeah, maybe we should. Oh, yeah, you know. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm already, uh, I, I have been a fan of wrestling in the past, like I mentioned in our, our last episode, but definitely not as much as Sam and most certainly not as much as Leva. So my role in this episode is more like kind of keep us on track uh, as we go out there. But anyway, so this week we're talking about Heart of a Champion. Yes, that's right. We are talking Heart of a Champion, which aired originally on May the 8th, 1991. Our director is Joe Napolitano, who, of course, we are fairly familiar with at this point, um, as he has directed uh, a total of, I believe, five episodes up until this point. This is his sixth episode. Um, He's also responsible for Black on White on Fire previously to this, uh, The Leap Home Part 1, Pool Hall Blues, uh, among some others. Uh, So, of course, we do like his episode episodes quite a bit. Uh, he'll go on to direct uh, Moments to Live, Last Gunfighter, among a couple of others. Um, and yeah. this episode... The, the, the leap date is July 23rd, 1955. Yes. Uh, before I get to that, I want to mention Tommy Thompson, who is our writer. And Tommy Thompson, of course, uh, would write uh, a number of episodes for the series, a total of 13. Um, prior to this, he'd written uh, Southern Comfort, Sleeping In Without a Net. Uh, well, he'll go on to write Deliver Us from Evil, uh, Killing Time, Nowhere to Run, uh, amongst others, uh, for a total, again, of 13 episodes. Um, and Sam has leapt into one half of the tag team, uh, the Ruskies, and uh, his character's name, of course, is ha- Terry Samus, as played by yes. Jeff Hokendoner. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much in the opening moment, Sam gets his lunch handed to him. Yes, yes, he does. And he's mid yes. <laughs> Um So you were saying at, at the tail end of last week, you take uh, umbrage with this opening, Sam, because uh, rarely do you see uh, heels wrestling other heels. Well, yeah, I mean, especially during that time in the 50s, I mean, it was pretty cl- clear, you know, cut between like baby faces and heels. And, you know, I mean, Leva, feel free to, to correct me on that. But I, I think that, again, that, you know, during this particular era, um, oftentimes, you know, the, the Ruskies, for instance, would be taking on your your generic oh, yeah. white meat baby face, all Americans, you know, and and uh, I think even today that there's still kind of an element of um, that. Um, you know, like, didn't really think about it until you mentioned it. Like, well, now you look at them, they wear, are wearing all black. Like, especially back then, that's very, like, you know, good guys wear either bright colors or white. Bad guys wear black. So, yeah, it can look like they were bad guys as well. But maybe it's just the lesser of two evils. Cause especially back then, Russians were way more evil in the 50s than just a dude in the mask. So, it's probably, especially in the Deep South, so probably it was just the lesser of two evils. Or maybe they were heels that ended up turning into two baby faces at some point. You know what I mean? And maybe, like, several, like, a year before Sam jumped in, maybe something happened. They ended up turning good, and now they're good guys. That happens a lot, too, where it's like, so maybe, I don't know. It's hard to say because I don't really know wrestling in the 50s. Like, obviously, because, you know, I'm way too young for that. But, I mean, I mean, I know of it, but it's not like I really grew up with it or or... You know what I mean? Like, you just know what you see in the past, so it's like, 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about that. It's just like it's a typical. Maybe they weren't even thinking about that. Now you think about it. Maybe it's just like, how oh, I have this guy. It's look cool. Throw him in a mask, you know. So maybe they were reusing people. And they're like, oh, we don't have enough people. We'll throw a mask on him. So we don't know it's the same guy that's alone later on. Because <laughs> I was actually looking up. I, I also did the IMBB as well. Because I was like, oh, wow. I wonder how many wrestlers are actually in this that I might recognize or know. So I was like, maybe the guy in the mask is someone I know, you know, and I don't think they were even listed. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Yeah, no, that's a totally good point because uh, you would have to think that the masked wrestler um, has a wrestling background, and, and and then of course we've got you know Terry Funk, um, you know actually in the episode um, playing playing the role of Carl Shiloh, uh, and then of course we've also got um, uh, Ronnie, who's played by Jerry. Uh, Bossard, and you know he's got that physique, so you'd think almost that he would be a wrestler. I don't know, um, but I mean, obviously Terry Funk would probably have brought quite a bit of experience uh, um, to the project. I mean, Terry Funk, uh, you know, of course, is is a legendary wrestler, and uh, in the midst of one of his you know fourteen retirements, uh, <laughs> this was uh, something that he was doing. He was out in Hollywood at the time, um, did a lot of stuff. Leva, have you ever met Terry Funk? Very briefly, like a, a like one of the WrestleCons, if I did. But yeah, I don't think I've ever like worked with him on a show or anything. Like, no, I've met Ric Flair several times, but, but not not Terry Funk that I know of. Like, I mean, I've been doing this really long time, and I get hit in the head a lot, so I don't remember <laughs> Terry Funk. Again, I don't mix Foley very well. I adore him, but no, not Terry Funk. If Terry Funk has a Twitter, we'll tag him, but we're going to try to set you two up uh, so, that, you so, that, so that you meet before it's all over with. We should get back uh, for, uh, for anyone listening uh, who's not familiar with this episode. We should do the TV guide description like we always do. Yes. Yes. Uh, Sam Scott Bakula is hurled to the canvas as a 50s pro wrestler whose brother and tag team partner has an ailment that could cause his death. If he grapples in a championship match, uh, we don't do this often, but in Matt's book, he also uh, notes what the episode was called in other countries. Uh, so it's interesting to note that in France, or I'm sorry, Germany, this episode was called Cold War in the Ring. Wow. Okay. In, in France, in France, it was called Wrestler's Heart. Uh, and and in Italy, in Italy, it was called. Ronnie's promise. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it, as long as you know, uh, so we'd like to talk about where Sam has been in time recently. Like most recently, uh, he was in 1971 in the previous episode, Last Dance Before an Execution. But chronologically, uh, he was just in October of 1954 in Shock Theater, uh, which we're actually we're going to come up on in a couple of episodes. And, uh, we're now in July of 1955. In August of 1955, he will be in two places at once. He will be in he will be in season one's The Color of Truth, and he will be in season five's Trilogy Part One. So, uh, so yeah, so we're uh, so yeah, we're 1955, and 
Sam is a wrestler. Yes, Sam is a wrestler, uh, but not just any wrestler. He is a uh, dastardly Russian wrestler. And I almost have to wonder if the writers knowingly named the Ruskies after um, two very famous Russian Russian wrestlers, uh, Nikolai Volkov and uh, Ivan Koloff, because um, they are Nikolai and Ivan, um, both of whom were fairly famous. In fact, actually, um, when I was growing up, one of my earliest memories, like period, um, is of Nikolai Volkov taking on Hulk Hogan at the Saturday night's main event uh, in a flag match for the WWF championship. I think I was like four at the time. Um, and it's literally one of my earliest memories. Um, and then Ivan Koloff is very famous for having uh, defeated Bruno San Martino, actually, um, for the WWWF championship. Uh, and in that match, when Ivan Koloff got the pin, um, the crowd couldn't believe it. And Bruno San Martino has said in interviews that uh, he thought he'd gone deaf because it was completely silent and he didn't know what was going on. Um, so, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, as someone who was actually lost her hearing in a match, I can totally understand that and relate to that. Like, oh my god! But yeah, wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that story. Wow, that's mind blowing. That a completely silent audience. I don't think that's ever happened. I know, at least for me, that's crazy. Well, yeah. One of the crazy things was is that at that point Bruno had held the title for like six years. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good call, though. I mean, at that point, people, like, people stop expecting, oh, well, there's a match, but you know who's going to win. You know what I mean? And when you actually do it, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, can I say that? I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, say whatever. I'm like, oh, wait, leave it. Podcast. Yeah. No, no, just talking. I was having a conversation amongst friends, and it kind of came out. My bad. You're marked explicit on iTunes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So, like I was saying earlier, I was talking about that memory that I had of uh, the Nikolai Volkov and Hulk Hogan match, uh, and I'm just curious. I mean, obviously, we want to talk about the episode, but we've got a unique opportunity here. Uh, you know, having Levo on the show, and obviously, wrestling something I love. Uh, so, I just wanted to ask uh, both of you, uh, Leva especially, what are your earliest memories of professional wrestling? Oh wow! Um... Well, you're thinking. I'll jump in because we were talking about it on last week's episode. Uh, okay. I remember. I remember watching. I can't remember what the name of the league was, but they were on the TBS, the Superstation. Um, uh, I was a huge fan of the Rock and Roll Express, and I and I was devastated, devastated when they lost the title match to the Midnight Express. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I cried, but I came pretty close. <laughs> oh my god! Um, it's funny because like I used to watch wrestling. With my grandmother's neighbors, a little boy who was about a year or two younger than me. His name is Patrick. Uh, so I remember, like, honestly, I remember playing with his figures before watching it. Like, he had those big rubber figures, you know, back in the day that was the big rubber ones. So we would, like, play with those. And then when we get bored playing with those, we would, like, try to throw them on the roof of the house. <laughs> Just because, you know, kids being kids. And, like, I remember that, and then I remember us being taken to a wrestling show, 
And when the WWF one, because Hogan was there, and I remember running down to the guardrail because he was coming out. I remember, like, just so I could see him. So I remember that. Uh, then we used to do, like, indie shows together. Like, I mean, obviously we didn't call them indie shows, but, like, oh, and a show at the Armory. And that Armory was literally, like, because back in the day, kids, you know, by, it was a, I guess, either a lot more trust than human nature or whatever, but, like, our, our parents would let us just walk to the Armory because it was only a short walk. And we'd go and watch wrestling, and then they would pick us up at night. So I remember that. I remember walking to the armory and going to see, like, like a Hillbilly Jim-type character, and they had, like, this, like, uh, like a Patriot-type character. Like, all, like, knockoff characters, but maybe it was actual ones, and then I was all, like, you know, it's in Madison, Kentucky. I don't imagine it's, you know, <laughs> there was, but, you know, uh, I remember watching those, and I thought those, like, who would buy the Polaroids from them? Never saw Polaroids. I don't remember how much they were, probably a couple bucks or whatever. But you got a Polaroid with them. And I got one with the hillbilly guy. He was really cool. So, like, I remember going and watching it live. It was so, I was so young, like, so, so young. So it's just like, I don't really know if that was my first memories, or those are the ones that I, that are coming to me right now. So. Yeah, I love those big rubbery figures. Those were cool. And then they they upgraded to the action ones that were like the, which I also loved as well, a lot smaller, but then they were plastic, but then they had action. So you could, like, they could, like, punch and do all sorts of crazy stuff. So those, those are really cool. I had, like, one of my favorites was Magic Snake one. Because he came with the snake. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Look how I get that made. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so to jump back in, did you just give like a, a, a synopsis of the episode, and that way we can really like really just dive in, like picking the episode of the part. And I'm sure we're going to have like our wrestling stories tangents pop up as we go. Uh, the the plot of this one is pretty straightforward. Uh, Sam um, and his brother Ronnie, uh, they by a fluke because uh, what's the name of the brothers who get arrested? The Mongolians. Yeah, the yeah the Mongolians got arrested for getting drunk, so they get their chance. And punching uh, a cop. <laughs> yes, that's it, yeah. And punching a cop. So they get their chance at the championship title. Um, the thing is, is that in the original history, uh, Ronnie collapsed ringside as he was tagging out during the bout from uh, heart failure, from cardiac arrest. And it turns out that he had uh, mitral stenosis from uh, rubella. Is that the... Yes, that's it. Rheumatic fever, yeah. I knew it was something that started with an R. Yeah. Uh, rheumatic fever, um, which is a very real thing. I looked that up. That is a very common thing. Uh, and so Sam has to keep him from from fighting in that match and also has to convince him that um, uh, to not wrestle in other way. And then in the B plot of the episode, um, Carl Shiloh, the uh, one, half, one half of the tag team that they are going to fight in the championship match. Uh, I'm just going to say it. He's being cuckolded by his wife. Uh, oh, my goodness. Get, that was terrible. Who, uh, who gets her jollies uh, by watching, by putting other men in situations where her husband rips them apart in jealous rage. And yeah, they need therapy. Yeah. Uh, they need therapy. Uh, so I the thought it was great comic. So, 
stuff though. So like, I, like actually, that was some of my favorite parts of the the episode. But we'll get to that part. I'm sure that's part of the conversation we're gonna have. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So Sammy. Terrible. Like, I was like, so women say, actually act like that. Did they act like that in the 50s? Because I was like, wow, women act like that in the 50s? Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, 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 um, way too young. Uh, uh, <laughs> really? Heard story. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so, so Sam saves the day by uh, going into the championship match and just not tagging Ronnie in at all. And so we have a montage of just him getting his ass beat until finally he jumps up, throws Carl into the sleeper, which was referenced earlier in the episode, puts him in the sleeper, knocks him out. Ronnie's promise to call back to the Italy name of the episode uh, is to, is to have his heart to quit wrestling and to have his heart checked out after that. It's definitely one of the most more comedic episodes that we've seen recently. One of the the lower stakes episode. I mean, last week when you have Sam uh, leaping into someone on death row seconds away from being executed. Uh, so, yeah, we kind of dropped the stakes a little bit. I meant to ask this earlier. Leva, uh, how many episodes of Quantum Leap have you seen? I don't really know. I used to actually watch it uh, when it actually came on. Okay. So back, back in the day uh, as a child. Well, yeah, as a child. I had to think about, like, what year it was. Um, so I remember watching a lot of them, but I wouldn't say it was, like, I sat down and watched one through, like, whatever. It was just like, oh, cool, Quantum Leap's on. I'll watch this. Sam's cute. I want to see you, too. You know, like, stuff sure. like that. So I'm a child. So, like, I absorbed a lot of it, but I don't really think I probably got a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Some of the plot, so... It's, it's one of those I wouldn't mind actually going back if I had the time, which, <laughs> you know me, you know, I don't have the time. But if I had the time, I would love to actually sit down and watch more episodes. Because, like, sitting down and watching this is like, oh, my God, this is still really good and really entertaining. Like, cause, like sometimes when you watch stuff from, you know, back then, it's like, oh, kind of painful to watch. But this one was not, like, I don't know if it's a particular episode itself or if it was just a show, the way they did it. But I actually found myself like, wow, this is really good. Like, I actually really enjoyed watching it. So, but yeah, I remember that was like, I think maybe, maybe my mom might have watched it. Maybe that's why I would watch it. Because I remember I was like, oh yeah, because I knew all about it. Because I knew Al and Ziggy and Sam, you know, I, I knew all like what was going on. And he's like, he just defies and saves people. You know, so <laughs> like, that's cool. I want to jump in bodies and take people. No, I don't. Never mind. Let me So, but. Yes, that was it. Yeah, we are, we are jumping around from podcast network to podcast network. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, it is interesting though that you say that um, it's a little bit of a lower stakes episode because I don't. Well, I don't disagree with anything that you just said, Dennis, about that. Uh, I do have to say, and, and Leva, this is stuff that kind of like goes back to earlier episodes. So um, I don't know if you'll remember any of these or, or not, but um, to me, there was something about how passionate Sam got and invested Sam got in needing to save um, Ronnie because of his own experiences with, you know, with his brother. Um, and, and I think, you know, 
having come off of the beginning of this season, you know, with his quest to save Tom and the fact that it's directed by the same guy that directed Leap Home Part One. I mean, I don't know. There, there was definitely something about it. And, and this is probably just me, um, you know, inferring that and, and nothing that was necessarily too overtly conscious, although maybe, you know, it's something that Scott was thinking about, you know, as the character. Uh, but but I, yeah, that was definitely something that I was thinking about. So it did make the episode feel a little bit more emotionally weighted and, and, and the stakes were a little bit higher, I suppose. Sure. Actually, the thing is, like, I didn't think about it from the brother angle. I thought about it from the dad angle because his dad died of a heart attack. So, uh, yes. Yeah. But also there's one moment in the episode where when Al explains how he 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 drops dead from heart failure and Sam kind of naively says, oh, what? He looks perfectly healthy. Uh, and I, I think that's a moment like it, it's written in the script because that's what the average layperson would think. Uh, but I'll, that's a moment that didn't ring true to me in the episode. It was like, yeah, just because you look perfectly healthy, you can, of course, drop over from heart failure. Um, especially knowing because like, I was just looking at like a brief history of of heart disease and what we knew about it, you know, uh you know, in the nineties and now versus 1955 and long story short, like, like we knew some stuff, but even still like, like stuff like, like, like this, like a heart defect from, from mitral stenosis, um, you know, from, uh, you know, from, from this specific instance, we didn't really know a whole lot about it. So, uh, everybody's ignorance to it is pretty believable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously we've come up, we've come a long way since 1955 when it comes to uh, our knowledge of the human body and the, the heart and cardiovascular system. Uh, and when you just think about in, in professional wrestling uh, and in sports these days, you know, the types of, of, of um, things that, that uh, athletes sort of have to subject themselves to, you know, in order to, to pass kind of, um, the muster when it comes to their their health uh, is very different from what it would have been, you know, uh, 60 years ago. Um, you know, the, the, this episode, I think, uh, is really fairly strong um, on a lot of fronts. I mean, I think that the performances in particular, um, you know, that we see from uh, Ronnie, uh, you know, is, is fairly strong. I mean, I think Myra does a really good job. Um, I think you know, uh, um, everyone, everyone's fairly solid. It's interesting because there's a balance between, I think the very serious, real, honest characters and sort of the over the top characters, but it doesn't really bother me as much because I think, you know, with Carl and Sherry, they are over the top. So it makes sense. And with Lamar, the promoter, he's a promoter. He's kind of, so I don't know. I, I mean, that's something that we often talk about, Oliva, on the show, you know, with Dennis and I having the background in theater and obviously so, I mean, so do you. Um, so I, I guess that, yeah, I would be curious to, to hear your thoughts on the, on the performances uh, and the acting within the episode. Um, acting wise, for the most part, yeah. Uh, I felt like a lot of that did. I, I got frustrated because I felt like, again, I know I, I mean, that makes like that mentality of a wrestling MV that time. It kind of made Sam look like a weenie because he's just like, oh, you're scared. Oh, you're scared. I'm like, he's not scared. He's trying to save you. But that that came off really, really well. And that's very, especially the machismo of wrestling, especially back then. They were like, oh, well, you're scared. It's okay. You're new, which I'm glad he was new because. Can you imagine if you've been a vet and that had happened to you? Woo. 
Well, I, um, it did occur to me, yeah, that, that, that was a nice shorthand that they could do. In, that was a nice conceit that they could do in the episode by making Sam's character new. Yeah. She gave a good excuse for everybody to have to have. That's why, that's why she accepted that he was okay to like, oh, well, you didn't know what you were doing in the match. Oh, well, because he's new. Mm-hmm. Which is very true. <laughs> that happens a lot. So, like, so that's very true. Uh, the wrestling side of it, and some things that made me giggle a lot. So, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, but again, they were probably, I mean, again, wrestling's all about, you know, keeping the mystery and like, especially, well, even back in like the 80s and 90s, it's still like keeping, without breaking, peeking behind the curtain too, too much. So they were keeping a lot of things like true to the kayfabe of it all. But if you watch it as like or like someone you know like nowadays or even someone in the business, you giggle because you're like, oh, that's cute, like that's real. <laughs> like they really would be fighting that hard for that, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bill Lyon was like, these title belts are gonna change our lives. We can buy a house, and I just laughed out loud. <laughs> where they're sitting in the restaurant and like you know that's when Sam finds out he has to talk him out of it but then like these title belts are gonna change our lives we're gonna get a house gonna move out of that trailer and I'm like oh my god they're, they're really saying these belts are gonna do that nah man the, be- the belts all they do is weigh down your suitcase <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair you do get some extra bookings because of a belt I don't wanna like say belts are not like they are they are it's definitely a good uh, sign of the promoter and the company saying, hey, we have faith in you, so that's really cool. So, A, sometimes you do get a little bit more money or, or more bookings. But to say, like in, I don't know, I don't know if boxing is even like this, like like in boxing or whatnot, like in this, this belt is going to buy me a house? Oh, oh my God. Like, I was, I was like, I had to pause that for a second. I was like, give me a second. I'm laughing too much. <laughs> You know, one of the things I couldn't help but think during that scene, uh, though, when they're at the bar and everything, especially when they go up and they meet the the fishing show viewers, um, the... uh, the fact that they are speaking without their accents, you know, that they that they are dropping kayfabe and, and they're just kind of like, you know, oh, no, we're just playing characters. It's sort of like, oh, man, that never would have happened back then. You, you know, it's like they would have absolutely had to play that up to the hilt. I mean, this is like Illusion, the yeah. day and age when, you know, baby faces and heels couldn't drive in the same car together or stay in the same hotel room together and stuff like that. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I just find that kind of interesting that when... They were getting like, like, you're a communist, that's all you want on TV. We're going to beat you up. No, man, we're from Georgia. We're from here, you know? And it's like, huh. Because especially back in the days, like, they were like, no, this is it. This is, you have to act this. Like, a lot of times the, the heels think to sell merchandise because you're a bad guy. Why would anyone buy your stuff? You know what I mean? Like, so, so they, they were really like, no. Especially even nowadays, like, like, Baba Ray Dudley, who is one of my trainers, he's still big on the old school mentality of, like, heels don't do this. Heels don't 
you know, shake hands and kiss babies and tweet out, like, hey, hey, you're my best friend right after a match. Like, he's still, like, super into that that setting the, the world that he really is a bad guy. You know what I mean? So, 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 uh, so, so, so it is interesting, especially in the 50s, where you think that would be a way more of a thing that they're like, no, man. But I think I did read, I'm not sure, maybe someone's going to correct me at this. I want to say I read a story or read something online, maybe it's in a book, that at one point, like, a lot of times, some of his heels have gotten, like, I want to say it might have been, I know, Parker got, like, booed out of a building once. And he's like, oh, man, she's a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm really a good guy. You know, like, it's stuff like that. Like, sometimes you may have to if it's about to get dire. Like, if you're like, okay, I'm about to really get myself, like, punched in the face, then maybe you can break K-Fame and maybe that's what they were doing. But I feel like, yeah. But then again, maybe they were just minding their own business. So they're out in public talking. But then as soon as, like, the guys are like, hey, I know you. You're a communist. I would think they should have put on the Russian accent. But I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say. I'm always a baby face, so. And I don't have to worry about accents too much. So for me, it's hard to say, like, what they, they should have done. And I don't know the time period that well. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's not as strict as we think it is. I, I honestly don't know. That's something I would love to actually learn more about. No, I mean, that's true. That That, that is true. I, I guess... There's only so much information we have from back then, but I know that I've read stories about, like, you know, even in the late 70s and early 80s, you know, Bill Watts would tell the guys in Mid-South that if if, uh, they got into a fight out in public at a bar or whatever, that they better win. And if they didn't, he would, like, fire them, you you know, because that was the keeping up the illusion, like you're saying, was so important. It was their livelihood. It was like if people didn't... Uh, they thought, you know, at the time, it's like if people didn't buy into this 100%, then they'd be out of a job. And now we know that that's not true. Yeah. Um, but it, it is kind of yeah. fascinating to me that that's how it was played. Yeah. But then again, I mean, that could have been something that Hollywood might have not picked up on. You know what I mean? So maybe, because honestly, none of these scenes had Terry Funk in it. So, like, you got to think some of the scenes probably were, like, he was probably a part of. Okay, well, this would be like this. But, I mean, the scene with them in a bar, Terry's nowhere near that. Like, he's probably a day off or something. You know I mean? They probably filmed all the bar scenes one day. And, like, all right, well, everyone else come in the next day. We'll do all the, the ring scenes. And, like, the next day we'll do all the trailer scenes. You know what I mean? So the thing is maybe they didn't have that, like, continuity person that's there to say, hey, this is how it really is. I'm wondering if maybe that's it, because, like, a lot of people don't really know how wrestling is, especially especially in the 80s, before, like, the movie, like, The Wrestler and those documentaries all came out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it was still super mystery back then. So I'm wondering if maybe that's why that's not maybe 100% accurate, because they didn't know. Sure. I'm I'm curious, you... you t- telling the stories like how like if you're a heel you need to maintain that 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 character outside of the ring um leva do you ever run into any fans who still think that wrestling is a hundred percent real uh, um, i want to say yes but i feel like probably have i mean it's been about oh 
God, eight to ten years, maybe even more. Like, I got booed in Georgia for being Chinese because I was dressed up like Chug Lee. And it was in deep, deep South Georgia. So I was like, wow. So oh. it was like the mentality of, and I'm not insulting the, the place, just that the, you know, the people sure. there. You know what I mean? Uh, but that does tell you kind of, Obviously, if you guys know what I look like, you guys know I do not look Chinese in any way. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was was a very weird. So I was like, "Ah, maybe I probably. I know I get weird questions a lot, but sometimes I don't know if they're just being facetious or if it's like they really believe that, like, they really believe it. You know, I don't know. Honestly, it's hard. Because right now there's so many people online that, like, do stuff for a joke, so you don't know. Like, you're like, oh, wait, is this sarcasm or is this serious? I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's hard to read it in tension in, a, in text form. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, but, like, a person, not so much. I mean, my mom still asks me every time I call her, hey, you had a match this last week. Did you win? Mom, I, I don't even remember. What do you mean you don't remember? I don't know. Like, I, Mom, I get paid more if I lose. <laughs> yeah. So so let's talk about this well, is something that this is something that we were talking about off mic before before we started hitting record is one of the things that the episode gets very wrong is that is that the, the, the matches leading up to the title match are fixed, but the title match is actually a legitimate match. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what we thought when I was a kid. Seriously, you know that that was literally what we thought, and I think part of it was because we wanted to believe so bad, but we also knew at that time because it's like the late '80s, early '90s when things were starting to be a little bit more like, oh, okay, you know, we we can talk about this now. But I remember having those playground discussions where it's just like, oh well, you know, all the matches are are, are predetermined except for those title matches. The title matches they just let them go at it. You know, it's like they've got the two guys, and you know. So so being, you know, a kid of the 80s, 90s or whatever, I can remember WrestleMania 6. It's like Ultimate Warrior and Hogan, you know, they were really fighting. You know, that was they were really fighting oh, for the belt. Uh, and that's what we thought we were kids. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, I think kids are supposed to buy it. I think kids today still buy it, I would hope. I don't know. Like, I bought it as a kid, like 100%, man. When Shawn Michaels kicked Marty through the window, I cried. I cried. I was like, oh my God, I can't. You guys are best friends. Your brothers. What are you doing? Wow, why did you get really hot? I'm a bad boy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, that's kind of how mentality of a young preteen Levo went. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Levo. One of my first crushes. But yeah, so I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's hard to say. I hope the kids nowadays really buy it. I really do. Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I And it's weird because even if they don't buy it 100%, I know that one of my favorite things about going to the Shimmer shows, for instance, um, is that you see uh, a lot of kids in the audience, in particular little girls in the audience. And it, it's clear that it just means a lot to them to be able to see um, these, you know, these strong women, you know, getting in the ring and, um, just being kind of these larger than life characters, uh, and having this, 
physical athletic contest because you know regardless of whether or not the the results are predetermined or you know the the wrestlers are communicating with one another prior to or even during the match with what they're going to do um there's no doubt that it's still that athletic contest and seeing the look on the girls faces and seeing the way that they you know the wrestlers react to them and work with them i mean i remember sitting in front row for a show and this little girl was sitting next to me and she was giving tessa blanchard hell, you know, through the whole match. And it was great because Tessa was giving it right back to her. And that interaction, you could tell, just meant so much um, to the kid. And, 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 and again, you know, just seeing those little girls and the way um, that they react to the show. Uh, it, it's clear that whether or not they, they believe it, like stone cold, no pun intended, that there's something very, very special uh, about the whole experience. <laughs> That's awesome. So should we break down the IMDb cast or the, or the cast of the IMDb like we typically do? Um, so this one, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Terry Funk a little bit, like looking at his credits, like they're, they're pretty much all, you know, WWE professional wrestling related. Um, he was in Roadhouse. He was in Over the Top. And he, was a, he, uh, he did stunts in Rambo 3. What? I didn't know uh, that. And then everybody, uh, we mentioned uh, Susan Isaacs. I recognized her from Last Gunfighter. Uh, I, I'd forgotten that she was in, in this. Uh, yes, yeah. So this episode, she plays Myra. And there's, um, she doesn't get a whole lot to do in this episode. You get the feeling, I, I think, in the original script, maybe she had more to do. And it's just as the script got cut down over time. Uh, there wasn't much to do. Um, and then you got uh, Deborah Wakeham. She was uh, Sherry Shiloh. Which I uh, rewatched it like when I was a kid, I thought she looked so much like Susan Sarandon. And rewatching the ep- and rewatching the episode today, I was like, where the hell did I ever get that? The hair. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, man, it's interesting to talk about her work on the episode because like I was saying earlier you you have um sort of the the more grounded characters of like Ronnie and uh his wife and you know even to an extent the mom and the promoter sort of I mean he's kind of supposed to be over the top in some ways uh and then you have of course uh Sherry and Carl and they are not very grounded and yet it works and it feels very honest and very real I kind of you know I, I don't know I, there, there's just something about um, the game that they play <laughs> uh, yeah I, that, it, it, she does a great job though I think uh, and Terry Funk of course uh, is, is pretty much perfect as Carl um, but Sherry has some interesting scenes with Sam uh it'll be interesting leave it to to get your take on that um and and you know in her role uh oh, in yeah. the episode or extra mm-hmm. extra yes yeah they are and you know I I will say it yeah I I think Sherry's game and this is a thing that she way she emotionally manipulates Carl I think they're both in on it I think she loves doing this he loves tearing people apart on her behalf. This is just their own little fetish for players. Uh, it didn't seem weird at all. Like immediately as soon as like the match was over and she was like hitting on him. I'm like, oh, she's a rat. Because we call him in business where a girl, uh, you know, is known for hitting on and sleeping with all the wrestlers. I'm like, oh, like, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of those types at wrestling shows. 
Oh man. <laughs> like legit. I'm like, oh my god. And then she found out it's like, oh that's her thing. She kind of likes making him jealous and kinda of gets gets off on that. So okay, so she doesn't actually sleep with the guy, but I'm like, Oh yeah, her sleeping around with the guy is probably one of the most realistic thing in the episode. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm relieved to hear that because a lot of times when we talk about problematic things on on the show, like in particular, like how, how women are treated on the show, uh, I'm, I'm kind of relieved that that you obviously being a woman like that struck you as being the most realistic thing in the episode. <laughs> so uh, it really is, though, man, like her, like, so Sam, uh, I would like the reaction at first. I'm like, well, it's probably, again, a lot of the guys, they wouldn't have, like, threw themselves in the locker or whatever. They would have been like, hey. <laughs> but Sam being a good guy is, like, that's what made the comedy of it. Because it was, like, his reactions. So, like, oh, my God, it falls into the locker. You know, like, stuff like that. But, oh, yeah, no, that's super realistic. That was, like... I dare say one of the most realistic parts of the whole episode. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was just kind of saying about um, about Sherry, the, the character of Sherry, uh, that, that, yeah, we do oftentimes, you know, deal with depictions that are a little problematic, uh, in particular of female characters. And, in fact, there was one uh, recently where Sam uh, actually addresses a couple of female characters. He's playing a rock star, and they're coming on to him, and he actually says that you're a writer's... Like, what does he say, Dennis? He says that you're out of... Uh... Uh, this is something out of a, a bad writer's Yeah, show. exactly. Um, which we, we thought was kind of a little bit meta because it was nice to acknowledge the fact that a, a lot of times, in particular in that you know, period that, you know, female characters on television, um, you know, were nothing more than the, the girl to be, to be saved or to be gotten or to be, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, but, so this episode I didn't think was that bad, though, because, I mean, like, you had the wife that was concerned. You know, yeah. uh, I thought she was a kind of a strong character. So, you know. And the mom. For the most part. And then you had, then you had the stage mom. The stage mom is completely different than, like, right? like, the girl that was throwing herself on everyone, which was Sherry. So, you know what I mean? So, I thought all the, the women were completely different from each other. So, I thought that's, I didn't even, like, get offended by that. Actually, it was, again, I mean, maybe I'm not, like, the typical girl, which I've accepted that in my life. So, <laughs> like, I don't get offended was like, oh, this girl's playing kind of a slutty character. Well, yeah, because there's Let's in real life. So, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> am I allowed to say that? Sure. <laughs> but, yes. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's like, oh, well, that that's kind of real life. You know what I mean? Like I said, that that was kind of some of the most real stuff. So even the stage mom. Like, stage mom is like, I don't really know if there's really a lot of stage moms in wrestling per se, but stage moms entertainment, for the most part, is a very real thing. Absolutely. You know what I mean? and sure. She definitely Sweet. played that part completely well. So, yeah. yeah so, let's. let's yeah, let's transition to her. Angela Patton, she plays, or Patton, she plays uh, the mom, Lottie. I love her in this episode. My, <laughs> and she, she, is, she is so loving and warm, but my favorite part of hers in this episode is when Sam is expressing doubt over the match. Uh, they're sitting outside of the trailer, like under the, like, like the, the fly screen or whatever you want to call it. And she has that line. She's like, you know... If you're scared, I can have someone else take your place. <laughs> uh-huh. And she's so warm, but in that moment, 
she turned so cold and she was like, I will drop you like a bad habit. Right. Yeah. If like you do was, that, again, if, yeah, if you don't get your shit ball. together. Yeah. I love that scene. I love that. Ball she ball. also, um, uh, unfortunately she's no longer with us. She passed away in 2016. Uh, however, um, oh. she played a somewhat prominent role in Star Trek Voyager. So she gets one of our Star Trek shout outs, <laughs> uh, in, in the, uh, premiere episode caretaker actually, um, as, uh, oh, aunt, wow. uh, aunt Ada. So, um, she, she'll get one of our Star Trek shout outs, but not the only one. Cause we have a DS nine alum and we all know how much I love my DS nine alums. Um, you know, moving, moving on from, um, from Angela Patton, I think that it is, uh, worth noting that quite frankly, I mean, one of the more famous faces just in general, uh, in, in film television history by the the virtue of the fact that he amassed uh, such a, a long list of credits over 280 credits on IMDb, uh, and is the father of, uh, you know, Ron Howard and Clint Howard, uh, and that is, of course, Rance Howard, who plays Doc Graves. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a career that, that spanned from the early 50s in theater and television all the way up until just recently, because he passed away, I believe, um, a year ago in, in November. Yeah. And he actually has a few things that haven't even come out yet. So, um, you know, his, his, uh, yeah, so he's going to have some, some posthumous releases here. Um, in addition to, uh, starring in a number of films that his son, Ron Howard directed, uh, he also did a very memorable run on another television show that we've talked about quite a few times on this podcast, which is Babylon five. Uh, he played the father of John Sheridan, uh, one of the main characters, the main character, um, for the bulk of that show. Uh, the father's name was David Sheridan and, uh, incredibly memorable role, a very important role, integral role. Uh, he was only in three episodes, but in those three episodes had a, you know, pretty, uh, big impact on the series and on the series main character. Um, so I think a lot of sci-fi fans will remember him from that, but there's just, I mean, far too many things to mention, obviously, uh, cause he's just been, been around forever. Um, it's interesting though, because this role in a lot of ways typified what he did. He usually had these sort of smaller, you know, kind of folksy charm, esque characters, if you will, uh, and uh, and yet was was always pretty memorable. Uh, and in the case of this episode, I think he's memorable because he pretty much takes out a stethoscope. Is like breathe, breathe. You're fine. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. See, so who I thought you were talking about? I thought you were going to bring up uh, Tim Desarn. Uh, he, he's one of the two, he's one of the two guys in the, in the bar scene. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those people who keeps the fishing shows on the air right. as output. As, oh, as output man. Is it. Such a great line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he shows up in a lot. The thing that I remembered him from, uh, he is in one scene in Cabin in the Woods. Hmm. I'm not seeing He's it. the one. Have you not seen Cabin in I the Woods? I haven't seen it yet. I know. How have you not seen it? As soon as Wait, we get done, as soon as we get done recording tonight. You watch that movie. Okay. It's got to be on some streaming service somewhere. Uh, right. Like, Cabin in the Woods, like, the movie. Like, yeah. with Chris Hemsworth, right? Like, what? Yeah. That one's really good. I know. I haven't seen it. really, really good. I got gaps, guys. I've got gaps. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I really, yeah, he has just, like, uh, a couple scenes in that movie. And it's just, like, he has such a unique look. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. Uh, well, he also in the interesting enough. He also played uh, Mary Jane Watson's father, Phil Watson, in the Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire uh, and Kirsten Dunst. Okay. Yeah, uh, he was also in an episode what? of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Um, so he, you know, he's gotten around quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for our new podcast, a spinoff of our Fates Wide Wheel podcast, the Quantum Leap Actors, who are also in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> um, and then hosted by Sam Fain. Yeah, listen to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no <laughs> listeners whatsoever. Um, and then finally, uh, Lamar, the promoter, who I would love to talk about his character a little bit uh, as soon as we get over this. But uh, um, Don Hood uh, is the actor that played uh, Lamar, and he unfortunately passed away in 2003 uh, at the young age of 62. Um, but prior to that, also amassed um, you know a fairly lengthy career in film and television. Um, one of the things that I am almost not quite, but almost ashamed to admit that when I saw his full house credit, I knew exactly who he had played because he played Rebecca Donaldson, who became uh, John Stamos's character's un- Uncle Jesse, Jesse Katsopoulos. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. It took me a second, There's but no I got shame there. In that. But uh, there is no shame. He was indeed the father of Uncle Jesse's wife, bride to be, in the two-part wedding episode. So, there you have it. Oh, wow. No shame whatsoever. But let's talk about Lamar the Promoter. Oh, sure. Leva. Okay. What did you think of Lamar the Promoter? And in dealing with promoters on a fairly regular basis, I'm sure... Did he, did he, you don't have to name names, in fact, it's probably better if you don't, but did he remind you of anybody in particular, or did you think this could be a guy that would absolutely be a promoter, or did he feel a little bit just like, you know, somebody the TV writer made up? Um, no, actually, I I believe that, because there's times, like, uh, because, again, they do invest a lot of money into it, so sometimes when you're like, well, the so-and-so's injured, or they can't do it, well, why? Well, why? You know, well, what we're gonna do? How you gonna? Who gonna replace? You know, like how you gonna replace this? Like, not all of them. I, I think honest, I've been blessed to have a lot of great promoters uh, I work with. I mean, you do get a few that you're like, well, I probably won't work for him ever again because you know whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, like he was, I think he did well because he was kind of that typical like, it's a business guy. You know what I mean? He's a business guy, but in a weird carnival world of wrestling. So it was like, well, I got to get my show. <laughs> there's no other wrestler in the world that you can call. But again, maybe in the 1950s, it was a lot harder to call. You know, or nowadays, internet and technology is so great. Oh, crap, someone got injured. Hold on, I can call someone and they can come here or we can fly them in. You know, back then, I mean, they probably didn't have the money to fly people. And B, it's like, well, we only got, like, five guys to choose from, and two of them are gone now. So, uh, um, to be honest, the story was, like, yeah, so-and-so got drunk and punched the the cop. That's super real. <laughs> I, I've heard stories. That happens a lot. I've been on a show. I've literally been on a show where about an hour before we're about to, to start, cops come in and arrest these two guys. Wow. And they got caught. They were. They had warrants in probably like what was it, five different states, and they tracked them down to the show because they were advertising. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that's a little too. So, but the thing is, 
that happened. That really happened. And then you have to like, oh, shit, who were we going to put in this spot? So that actually is really real. Where like, you're like, well, you guys are the only guys that I have. You have to do it. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I mean, to be honest, I get his point of view. It's like, well, you have no real merit saying that he's actually hurt. So you're telling me I can't run this match, I can't have this show, because a hunch. So I actually get that, and I don't really think he's that much of a jerk. Yeah, maybe he could have done a little bit better with, like, the doctor, but that's actually kind of real, too. Not so much nowadays, but back then, that was very, like, oh, you know, put some dirt on it and go back out your body. Right. You know what I mean? That's how doctors were back then. Like, they weren't as... Nowadays, with all the things that have happened in the past, you know, with with health issues and and people passing away and and other domestic issues nowadays like health is super important for wrestling like there's a lot of times there are doctors that check you out before i sometimes you have to get blood work before you you can work in certain states and all of that just because again technology but like back then especially in like in the 80s and 50s oh no put some dirt on it you're fine you know so like that, like, him, for me, like, yeah, that much of a jerk, because honestly, that's just the mentality of that time. Promoters were very much like that. And so, for me, I wasn't like, oh, what a jerk. I didn't even feel that. Like, I never even, like, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's business. He has a business to run, you know? Yeah. Maybe if he could have went around it differently, sure. <laughs> but I, I thought it was very true. It's very true. That makes sense. Yeah, and, Again, you know, I think yeah. it's a good... I've been blessed to work with a lot of people that have been very understanding, you know, so this isn't, like, every promoter's like this, because it's not, like, if you're a promoter and listening, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but, you know, it's a lot. Like, I've been very blessed to be like, oh, hey, uh, this has happened, or, hey, you know, whatever, blah, 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 or, you know, I'm caught at the airport, okay, we'll make it work, you know, like... I've been very blessed to have really wonderful people to work with. But, again, different times. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and even nowadays, there are still some scuzzy promoters. You know, I'm not going to name them right now, but there's a few, there's a few people I won't work for. Yeah. Just because they, they either don't pay or they, they hold their money for too long or whatever. You have to hunt them down or, you know, they just terrible people. Yeah. But for the most part... If you see me working on a show and I work on a regular, I probably really, really enjoy the promoter a lot. Because I don't like to work for people who aren't good people. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, no, that's... it's. I mean that 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 just makes a lot of sense. I think it's the same thing, you know. In Chicago, uh, even you know, in the past four or five years, there's been um, you know the not in our house movement among theaters and and you know basically singling out uh, you know actors and directors that that people did not want to work for because they they did not you know produce works in a safe environment for you know for many reasons. And, yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think. Oh man! It, now, especially nowadays, you have to like. You can't be a scuzzy promoter. You can't be a scuzzy director. Because guess what? You're going to get called out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we got we got the internet. We got the movement. Going, <laughs> That's so right. <laughs> yeah. So there's one more actor that we forgot to mention. Oh boy. And that's and that's Ronnie. Oh God. Uh, Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh Lord. He, he, He's played by Jerry Bossard. Uh, doesn't uh, doesn't have an extensive uh, filmography. He just has nine credits on IMDb. Looks like he uh, he he popped on in 
1988 and he popped back off in 1992 and and that was that yeah uh so you know we yeah, so we always like to say when we have actors with a short career, their career suddenly drops off. Like, uh, there, there's always that adage, like, acting is such hard work that if you find anything else you'd rather do, go do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looks like looks like in 1992 he found that thing and he went and did that. Sure, you know it's it's interesting. Because wow, really? He's uh, yeah, he's good in in the episode. I feel like. I feel yeah. his Russian accent is more believable than his Arkansas accent. <laughs> That's fair. My thing is, I'm like, I was like, wait, was he really a wrestler? Right. I, I, up and I thought I didn't have that many uh, credits. I'm like, I wonder if maybe he is a wrestler, but didn't, just did like indie stuff. You know, that's... You know, and then maybe, but I don't know, maybe not. Then maybe he just was an actor that was like, you know what? I really need to be an accountant. Yeah. Well, he had that physique as well that, like, you know, these days when people think of wrestlers, you know, they, they think of these, like, you know, ripped guys, uh, uh, you know, like somebody like, uh, you know, well, like, look at Triple H or, you know, Batista, or Randy Orton, like, you know, the, the, those type of guys. But back in, you know, back in the day, I mean, wrestlers looked like he looked, you know, they, they weren't, they yeah, weren't these, like, yeah, they weren't these like chiseled physiques. They were just sort of big, burly guys. Um, so yeah. you, you yeah, could be right. That, so either that was really good casting, or maybe he was a wrestler. That's why I actually thought maybe he was a wrestler. I was like, oh, maybe he's a wrestler too. Yeah, I just didn't. I wonder. I, I unfortunately, there's really nothing. You know, even in googling him and 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 you know on what's there on um, IMDb, there's not a whole lot there um, to 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 confirm that or or you know to disprove that. Deny that. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, even uh, uh, the the mirror image, uh, Jeff uh, Hocken. How to how to say his name is uh, Hockendonner. Uh, that's a doozy of a last name. Uh, he even has more credits. He has like twenty eight credits uh, throughout. And typically, we talk about on the show uh, a lot of times the mirror images. They only have one or two credits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's actually done. Do you know one of the things he did was tequila and Benetti? 11 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Which was another Don Bellis area. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing that I wanted to touch on in, in the course of this episode, just because, again, you know, thinking about the context um, and, you know, with my love of professional wrestling, I think it's interesting to note that in 1955 in Atlanta, Georgia, in particular, um, Georgia Championship Wrestling was an organization that was founded in 1944, I believe, uh, which was shortly before the NWA itself was founded, which was in 1947. And the NWA was the National Wrestling Alliance, which is a governing body that that, that basically uh, oversaw all of the regional territories in the United States, and, and even would reach and branch out uh, into like Japan as well uh, in the like sixties, seventies, and eighties. Um, the interesting thing about Georgia Championship Wrestling, and, and again, this is probably stuff that the writers did not know when they were producing this television show. But the interesting thing about Georgia Championship Wrestling is that it was one of the earlier regional territories to have local television. Uh, because back in the 50s, wrestling was on TV all the time. But oftentimes it was like syndicated you know, sort of more national packages. Which is why at one time they say that Luthez was one of the most televised people uh, on the planet. Because Luthez was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, so you could pretty much turn on your television 
And if wrestling was on TV, which it was usually on TV like seven days a week, you'd see Luthez wrestling. Um, but in Georgia, they had their own local broadcast of the territory, uh, and that broadcast would go on for, uh, you know, about 20 years or so before um, a guy by the name of Ray Gunkel ended up forming a partnership with a guy by the name of Ted Turner and would air on what would become WTBS and the TBS network. And Georgia Championship Wrestling aired on TBS for a very long time until Jim Crockett Promotions in North Carolina uh, ended up taking over the time slot and then ended up actually buying Georgia Championship Wrestling in the mid-'80s. Georgia Championship Wrestling did have a tag team championship at the time that they they were using, um, which I believe was founded in 1954. Um, it's interesting because some territories, uh, didn't have tag team wrestling at all, or if they did, there was no emphasis placed on it, but a lot of Southern territories, uh, placed a huge emphasis on, on tag team wrestling. Um, and I know Charlotte was one of those in North Carolina, uh, but I don't know a whole lot about Atlanta. Although I did find a card from Georgia championship wrestling in October of 1955, that had Freddie Blassie in the main event in a tag team match with three other guys' names whose names have been pretty much lost to history. If I said them, I'm sure no one would know them. I, I didn't know them myself. Um, so there you go. There's my wrestling history lesson. Oh, holy crap. <laughs> you know, what do I do? What do I do? Wow, that, that, you guys class in this. Oh, God. Are you kidding me? I would love to. That's like... Yeah. Uh, uh, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> if I... I mean, I tell you what, like... Throw it up. You know, that, you know that scene in High Fidelity when, like, you know, his ex-girlfriend comes in and she finds the list, the top five jobs that he wished he had, and, like, you know, one of them is, like, architect or something like that, and she's like, what, why? And he's like, I just needed to fill out the list. And she's like, would you like to be a record store owner more than that. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. And she goes, there you go. You made your top five. And, but if I made my top five list, I swear to God, something wrestling related would probably be, you know, number one through three. Dude, so wrestling professor, dude, like, I don't know, like as an elective in college, just be like wrestling history one-on-one or something like wrestling history as an elective. Or like history of like, I don't know what the right word is, but like, like, uh, not
it feels real in a way, whether it was intentional or not, because, you know, they did have the TV, they did, you know, they had their show in Atlanta, you know, that they did on a weekly basis. And, um, I don't know, it's definitely something that's always interested me, but I feel like if somebody could ever teach an obscure shit class, it would probably be me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, do you think maybe Terry helped out with that? Like, maybe, like, hey, tell, talk to us about some of this stuff. Because you think maybe he could be like, hey, this is how it was back then. I don't know. Like, would they ask the actor to be also consulted, or would they have something completely different to being consulted? You know, so I feel like they must have had some sort of consultant. Because there's a lot of realism in there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of not realism, but that's also for the show aspect of it as well. But. Right, the stuff that wasn't real was more of like, well, we don't want to give anything away, so we have to make this not as real as it could be. But, well, we, yeah. Like, well, we, I mean, the way well, they did stuff, the way like the show was ran, and like way it looked and stuff, and how like like I said, how they kept kind of true to the southern territories. Do you wonder if they had some sort of consultant that they hired? as they were writing our, our filming. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I, I have a feeling you're right about Terry, you know, being on set and, and, and being able to provide that input, and especially with his history in the business. I mean, you know, Terry Funk's father was, you know, in the business, and, and both Terry and his and his brother Dory were in the business and, uh, you know, owned and operated the territory that was in Amarillo, Texas, um, and trained tons of guys. I mean, so many guys came through there, like big names like Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody, and, you know, the, the the fact that I I think that it would there's no way that that he probably didn't have some input so that's a really really good point uh, that you bring up and, and he probably did lend some of that to that and another thing that he did is obviously he protected Scott Bakula because you know those close ups you can tell like Scott's the one that's getting thrown around in the wrestling match at the end yeah. of the episode yeah, especially the, the the backbreaker move right I was like good good god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about th- So you guys watch this show a lot more Obviously than I do Does Scott do a lot of his own stunts? He does actually Is that like a thing he's known for? Uh, he, he, like he, he did a lot of stunts for this episode He did have like, a Wow is he this handsy? Because I know like I know like Stephen Amell and Arrow is a very He tries to do as many stunts as possible Of course you know a lot of times they don't let him do a lot of his <laughs> acting insurance and stuff but I was wondering like especially back in the 80s and 90s maybe it wasn't as big of a you know uh, no, no, no you can't do it did he do a lot of his own stunts he did have one body double. I think his name was Diamond Farnsworth, uh, and he he was a body double, and he did a lot of his stunts. But in particular, in this one, like I, I think it's pretty much like the entire wrestling sequence is Bakula. Yeah, he he did wow. he did uh, you know a, a number of the stunts. Like there's one episode where he's on a trapeze, and he did a lot of that stuff. But there are some episodes, especially if it involved like falls. There's one episode. Um, I can't recall the title right now where he jumps into a native American and he's taking his grandfather, uh, back to their ancestral land so that he can die. And, and he has this fight and he's supposed to like fall. And, and, and it's uh, clear yeah. when you're seeing it that that's not actually Scott Bakula. Um, but there are other episodes where, yeah, he does do some of his own stunts and, and they say that during the time and Dennis has brought this up before uh, of when they were shooting quantum leap, he hardly ever got a day off because he if if he wasn't actively on set he was training um f- for something because oftentimes he would have to train to do uh you know take on whatever role he was leaping into yeah he said oh, that wow. 
Yeah, he said during uh, The Captains, which was uh, a Star Trek documentary where uh, William Shatner went around and interviewed all the captains up till that point. He got four days off total during the entire filming of Quantum Leap. Wow. I, I'm sure that also included, because, like, Necessary Roughness was in there, too. He probably had smaller roles in a couple of other films in there, too. Uh, but that is why uh, now some Scott Bakula trivia is after that experience, because him and his first wife did get divorced. Uh, uh-huh. And, and I, I assume that a lot of it had to do with his, his shooting schedule. I'm just guessing. That's total, total conjecture. <laughs> uh, but now he has it written into all of his contracts that um, – I think filming every day for him is done by six o'clock on whatever show he does uh, for the most part. So he can be home or, or, or at least when his kids were growing up uh, so that he could be home in time for dinner with his kids. Nice. I like that. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, what, what, uh, we, we, what are some moments from the episode that we liked? <laughs> <laughs> All of it. Um, you know, it's funny because the, the, the scene in the bar, just in general, ends up being a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the conversation between the brothers is, is a little bit more intense, but once they start getting assailed by our our Atlanta fish show watchers, uh, fishing sure. show watchers, <laughs> that, as Al puts it, uh, it you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cute. It's fun. Um, I like the scene at the trailer where they're talking about, you know, everything, and, and Sam is trying to get him, uh, you know, slowly but surely, you know, convince him not to take the match, and, and the scene, and, you know, and um, Myra's there as well, and the, and the little boy is there, and um, I think that that's, you know, that's good stuff. I, you know, loving Terry Funk, anytime he's he's on, it's just sort of like he's, he's chewing scenery. And there, there's also this thought, oh I can't God. help but think that when he when he bends the locker door over his head, that that was really Terry Funk just bending a locker door over his head. That that wasn't like well, a gimmick yeah, locker door. I mean, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, k- kudos to Terry Funk's head. Also, kudos to that Stetson. Because that Stetson <laughs> keeps it shape. Yes, yes, indeed. Remarkably. Yeah. What about you, Levo? Uh, what were some standout moments of the episode for you? Um, again, like I said, the whole scene where Sherry hits on him <laughs> and he, like, falls in a locker, that, for some reason, was like, yep, I actually witnessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I witnessed that sitting across the room going, oh, oh, this is happening. Okay. So, uh, I, I, <laughs> you're like, oh, man, there's so much trouble, but it was such, like, comedy relief. Like, even when she was, like, throwing herself in front him at the trailer and then that whole thing happened and he climbed out the roof. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> like, I really liked all of that. Uh, but, like, all of it was good. Like, like I don't know, it was, it was a fun little episode. I, I enjoyed all of it. Like, even when they kind of made him a little bit of a weenie for like, oh, we know you're scared. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not scared. Well, uh, I, I feel like Al wasn't in it enough. Like, was it me, or, like, I feel like Al was more hands-on in other episodes. Or maybe that's just as a kid. I felt like there was more Al and Ziggy. I don't know. Uh, this was what uh, – he had a lot to do in the last couple episodes yeah. where he, like, kind of goes off on his own and plays detective uh, for Sam. So this is one uh, – in, in the early first season episodes, you didn't see Al a whole lot. And this kind of harkens more back to that. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, because he, he doesn't really have a whole lot to do in this episode. He doesn't have a personal investment in this episode. He's just there to kind of convey the information. You don't even get a – now that I think about it, he's there during the wrestling match, but they don't do a whole lot of reaction shots of him during that match. No. Yeah. Like, like, okay. like there's, like there's a great – I thought yeah. Was- yeah, there, there's a great shot at the beginning of, of Terry tackling Sam <laughs> through Adam. Yeah. But then after that, he goes like, I'm going to go ringside. And then we don't uh, – I, I could see a version of this episode where we just frequently cut to Al like freaking out and losing it over how badly Sam is getting beat up. Uh, but we don't, we don't even get a whole lot of that. Yeah, that's a good point because like yeah. thinking about like Leap Home Part 1 in the basketball game, we get a lot of Al reaction stuff. Thinking about Right Hand of God, which is the boxing episode, we get a lot of Al's reactions to things. But, you know, that's that's actually a really good point, Leva. We don't get as much Al, and especially not as much sort of in, engaged in the leap Al. This is more just sort of information Al, you know, who's there to get, you yeah. know, to give, give Sam information and that's about it or crack a few jokes here and there. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, of course the whole thing, like, come on, do it. I can't do it. You know, it would like the whole kick in the butt. <laughs> like that was like, all right, cool. We finally got something that, that felt a little bit more like, okay. Again, like you guys watch it a lot more than I do. So maybe it was just the episodes that I would yeah, I mean, it definitely comes and goes, but I feel like, the, like Dennis was saying, there's been a run of episodes uh, where he has been a little bit more active and engaged, and it feels like it's something that they were doing you know, more consciously towards the end of this season and would continue to do in the next season. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good observation because I feel like you're right. In this episode, he doesn't necessarily have quite as much to do. Um, but Maybe they just have too many people to pan to because, I mean, like during the, the match, they were like, there's Al. There's a promoter. There's people going Right. In the match, things are happening. There's mom. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe that's why we have less Al, because there's so many more people to cut to. You know what? It would have been great if they had the fishing guys in the crowd, too. <laughs> 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 and, they, and they cut to them at the end. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they won. Um, it's it. Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um... So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else, Dennis. Do we? Do we? I think we've kind of hit all the bases here, haven't we? I I, I feel like we have. I mean, it's. Um, I I feel like it. Yeah, I mean they 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 touch on the hard issue enough to give it stakes, but they don't like pound you over the head. Sure. With it. Uh, yeah. Now that I think about it, during that final match, they don't even they don't even cut to Ronnie a lot being frustrated over not getting tagged in. Yeah, it's not until after yeah. the match. Well, was he even frustrated? I think he was just like, "Hey, little brother, win." Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay, like, I don't know. Well, yeah, I was wondering, like, why didn't he get frustrated that he's not in the match? Because I even thought that too. Yeah. A lot of times, like if you're a wrestler, like, why use me? Tag me in, like. Come on, man. I, I want my time to shine. I didn't see that at all with him. What I would love to have seen now that I, I'm just now thinking of this, I would love to have seen just like one shot, a close-up of Ronnie realizing what was going on. Mm. Oh, that would have been cool. That Sam wasn't going to tag him in because of everything that had led up to that moment. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. He does. He, yeah. he, he has a reaction to it after the match when they come back to the locker room. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's not quite as, it, it's not quite as satisfying if it would have happened during the match. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And maybe, who knows, maybe a film didn't just got lost in the editing floor. That's a good point. That's a very good point. True. True. Uh, one of the uh, – I, I was going to start to say this earlier. Terry Funk, uh, Carl Shiloh, he reminds me of a bully I had in <laughs> In that, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was a big guy. He was a little bit dense. And he, he was so angry. He was so ready to fight anybody mm. that people figured it out. And like very much like his like uh, like his wife does through the episode, like people realized that they could fight other people through him by proxy just by going up to him going, hey, Kenny, you hear what Jason said about you? He said this. Oh, man. Are you going to take that? And like he he wouldn't even question it. Like he was just so eager to kick somebody's ass. He would go do it. Oh, man. <laughs> but you know it all worked out last year at our 20 year class reunion me and him danced it was a good time <laughs> so all's well that ends well yeah right uh, wow but, uh, but yeah one other thing I will say is that I, I think I appreciated about this episode uh, we've talked about this before is that some episodes feel like and usually these are the episodes I don't like uh, and, and luckily there's not a lot of them. I can count them on one hand where the episode happens to Sam instead of Sam happening to the, to the episode. And this is, this does not feel like this feels like Sam is happening to this, you know, this storyline, this scenario. And he feels like a very active participant and he's very engaged in what's going on. And he's, he's clearly working hard and coming off the heels of an episode like last dance before an execution where his investment is so high, the stakes are so high. Um, I think that it, we, we still get a fairly passionate and engaged Sam. Um, and, and that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Well, a lot I, of times, I'm sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. So, like, a lot of times when you have a show that does a really heavy episode like that, they always follow it up with something a little bit more lighthearted, just so the, the audience can breathe. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, if you keep giving them heavy, 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 it gets too much, and sometimes you need that one episode where it's like, okay, it's a little bit lighter, there's some funny moments, okay, now we can get back to the heavier stuff. So I think maybe that, that I feel like that this episode could be that, because, I mean, Wrestling itself, I feel, not, not all of it's lighthearted. I mean, there is some, a lot of heavy moments within wrestling itself. But I feel like, for the most part, wrestling is that escape from those heavy moments of life. And I feel like, honestly, this, this episode is an analogy of wrestling itself. Because the way the story arc is, is very similar to a story arc of a match. At least maybe just because I'm a wrestler. And then I also kind of play matches around the story of it as opposed to just well move 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 I, I try to think of the story I'm trying to tell and then from there I base you know everything else around that so maybe that that's just kind of me in my actor wrestler brain but I feel like this episode kind of with a good metaphor for a wrestling match itself. Yeah, no, that's uh, you know uh, that's a really good point, and and I think that you know having having seen your work, uh, you know, and 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 been there for for a couple of matches even recently at Shimmer um, that stand out to me, like when you know you and, and Delilah Doom won the tag team titles. Um, while there were still some fun moments in that match, that match felt a little bit more serious, if you will, and you know a little heavier. Uh, whereas the match that you had, the singles match that you had with cheerleader Melissa last April was 
probably one of the most fun matches of the entire weekend. Um, and just, you know, and the thing that I loved about it is like having seen Melissa wrestle a lot, you know, usually she's much, she's, fairly serious not that she can't you know have a lighter side but like seeing that side of her brought out in that match from you I I I don't know I just really really love that and I think that that storytelling element you're right of being able to 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 do both and in the context of this television show you know being able to have those heavy more serious episodes and then follow up with something that's a little bit more fun is incredibly important um because you do you need you need that as an audience member um and the same is true for wrestling, because I think that, you know, um, to have those lighter moments, even sometimes within a match that might be a little bit heavier, uh, is, is always going to be, uh, you know, a more layered, textured story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wrestling, like, even if a card's done really well, that even the wrestling cards like that, whereas, like, maybe you have, like something fun and then it goes a little bit serious and then okay maybe a, an intermission and come back a little bit faster paced and maybe something lighthearted and it goes to get serious again like you know what I mean like that way it helps the audience breathe right you know so it's not like too much at them or maybe it's not too much comedy at them not too much seriousness at them not too much you know blood at them it's like if you know how to do it you can balance a card really well and it's a nice overall encompassing like experience as opposed to heavy 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 or funny 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 you like everything has its place and has its moment right interesting story though uh it was actually melissa that really wanted to be pushed into to comedy because i'm gonna do comedy oh really really what yeah she came up to me because i'm gonna do comedy i went what that's awesome (laughs) i was so like shocked by that because like you said, cheerleader Melissa, you know, that she can do it because she proves she can, but she doesn't get that that chance to do right. it. You know what I mean? So when she was like, "Hey, I want to do this," it was it was a total shock for me. Too. I, was like, what? <laughs> I was, I mean, it was a, it was a great <laughs> match. It's one of the, you know, and, and like, it's, it's funny because I actually uh, uh, tried to, Dave Prezak, who's like the, the producer promoter for Shimmer, I tried to uh, get an interview with him uh, a couple of months ago, but obviously he's, he's super busy, um, so we, we weren't able to work anything out, um, but hopefully we'll be able to do that at some point. Um, and uh, um, I completely lost my train of thought. I don't remember what I was going to say now. Um, yeah, Dave Prezak, Shimmer, Melissa. Yeah, it was... Oh, yeah. I remember what it was now. Good Lord, man, my brain. I tell you what, it's been a long day. Uh, but, but uh, you know, God love him. There is a, a very long delay in the time that Shimmer Weekend, where they tape four shows over two days, that taping happens, and then the actual show is released. I think that the most recently released show is like four years old. So if there's one match, to be completely honest with you, and there were some really great matches last Shimmer Weekend, but if there's one match that I just wish that I could watch again, it would be that match with you and cheerleader Melissa because I just remember having so much fun while I was watching and laughing and like I love like you know I love wrestling when it when it does feel like real and serious and you know and heavier I, I really do but to, to have the chance to just laugh like I did during that match um you know at things that both you and and Melissa were doing I just thought was 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 really awesome so um Dave if you're listening damn it whatever needs to happen make it happen <laughs> Oh no. I think we lost everybody again. 
I feel like we're so close too. We're like we're almost done. Are you guys, yeah, are you guys, yeah, we're almost there. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> Hello. Oh, oh, there you oh go. Oh my god. Oh wait, wait, she's moving again. I was just, I was, you know. Oh, now we have no. Sound. Are you serious? Oh my god. <laughs> What about now? Uh, Do we have wow, sound now? You kidding about this curse thing. Oh, good lord. Sound, no sound, still no sound? Nope, no sound. Uh. <laughs> um, uh, how, okay, how can we salvage this? Uh, are, you, are you still getting me and Leva in GarageBand? Can you hear me now? All right, hang on. Uh, no, now I'm not getting you in GarageBand, though. Son of a bitch. This has been... I really did. I really, really did. Uh, That's crazy. Like, I've, right. I've had my share of tech issues like oh my gosh you should see me on, a, on my weekly twitch stream but can you hear me yeah. now yeah okay you can still hear me you're back on you're back recording yeah. now you can hear me it's record everything's back where it was ah oh, jeez louise <laughs> okay so you were in the you were in the middle of telling a story I, and i'm not sure when when we lost you or when you realized that the, the story that i was telling i was basically just putting over the match between melissa and leva bates at, at the last shimmer weekend and talking about how if there was one match from that weekend that i would really love to be able to see uh like sooner rather than later it would, it would be that match frankly uh but because of of the way that Dave does Shimmer, uh, they tape four shows in one weekend, but oftentimes he there's a long delay between when they're taped and when they're actually released, uh, which yeah, okay. which is which is unfortunate. So I'm gonna have to probably wait three or four years before I get to watch that match again. But what <laughs> I was trying to say is that I thought that match was great, and um, you, you know I, I really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed you know what you what you were saying, and agree with what you're saying, Leva, about the way that you put you know, a show together, you put a story together, you, you know, in this case, the season of television, I think it's just important to be able to have those, you know, those sort of those peaks and those valleys and giving the audience a chance to, you know, to laugh and have fun and enjoy themselves as well as, you know, really maybe have that, that 
super emotional, cathartic moment in addition to, um, you know, those lighter moments as well. Yeah. So it's fun. Uh, I, I normally am like always the comedic part of it. Usually, um, recently I got to do a promo where the prom promoter's like, I, you know, if you can't do tears, that's fine. But if you can do tears, I'll love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to a ball on camera. Like uh, I was able, like at one point, one of the takes was I was crying so hard that I had to, like, it wasn't, it wasn't a usable take. <laughs> so I, I had to refilm. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so, like, sometimes it's kind of nice as someone who tends to just do comedy, and not always. Sometimes I get to be a badass once in a blue moon, <laughs> but a lot of times they're like, hey, you know, you're, you're good at it. Like, especially with my gimmick, it lends itself to more comedy. But when I finally do get to stretch my acting muscles, and get to do something either more serious or more heart wrenching. For me, that's really fun. So I totally get that. So, but everything has its place. It really does. So that's why I don't get mad that oh well, I am a little bit more of the comedic match because that definitely has its place and its purpose. And without that comedic match, sometimes maybe the the heavier stuff doesn't seem as heavy. Yeah, you know. Well, it's just so it's just we all have our spots. It's just so funny to me because you know. Again, being a, a fan of, of the more serious and, you know, sometimes the, 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 you know, like make them believe kind of wrestling, if you will. The, the fact that out of all of the matches that weekend at Shimmer that stand out to me is this, you know, comedic match between you and Melissa says something, you know. In fact, one of the things that, that literally is burned into my brain is when she like picked you up and she was like, you want to fly? Well, here, I'll show you how to fly. And I just like remember that moment. <laughs> and it was because you were dressed as Maverick from Top Gun uh, for that match. Uh, I should let the mm-hmm. listeners know, and 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 uh, and you kept you, you know taunting Melissa and you know and talking to her about flying or whatever. And at one point, she just like you know picked you up and 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 it, it, I don't know. There's just something about it that, that immediately like engaged me and, and burned itself into my brain. Um, and, and I remember that, like I said, better than a lot of stuff from that weekend. Because uh, after you sat through like 16 hours of wrestling in three days, uh, uh-huh. if you throw in the Rise show mm-hmm. as well, like. <laughs> It's hard to remember everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah, you guys... Like, you... Oh, wow, you're in Chicago. You get to hang out. You get to go see stuff. I'm like, yeah, you don't understand the nature of Shimmer. We see the we see that Berwyn Eagles Club, and then we see maybe Pythons, and we see our bed. And that is all we can see <laughs> yeah, yeah. of this wonderful city of Chicago. <laughs> 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 and the airport. That is literally it. So, like, there is no time because you are there. Cause you're there hours before because of, you know, pictures and, and, you know, getting ready and prepping. We all have to do our hair and makeup and costumes or whatnot. And it's, it's insane. And it's a lot of people in a small space. Yeah. So it's, you have to be there super early to get ready. So we're there for such a long day. So, yeah, I totally get that. But, like, honestly, we don't take for granted that it's also really long for you guys, too, because it's like you guys are sitting there for – what is it from like one or two to like nine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, one of the things, too, that I feel like, you know, just even as an audience member is you kind of have to, like, pace yourself. And it, and it sucks sometimes because I feel like, you, you know, you want you, you want to, like, pop. You want to be involved. You want to be engaged. But it's like, I know that I've come out of those weekends and had, like, no voice left, um, especially, like, the last weekend. I had no voice by the time it was over. And part of that is because I went to the after party on Sunday. And so, you know, by, by the time, yeah, right? <laughs> it's funny because you and I actually took a picture uh, and I said, 
sent it to Dennis uh, because it was snowing outside, and we were both just like, "What the fuck? It's snowing and it's April!" Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, stupid. Um, but, but yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It is a long. It is a long weekend for you know for the talent and for the fans. But it's it's so much fun. I mean, I love doing it. Um, yeah. So so back to the episode real quick. I do have to ask you a question. If you had your choice, and because you know you do the cosplay, would you dress up as one of the Ruskies or would you dress up as one of the Shiloh boys? Oh, really? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like. They stand out more because of the, the outfits they totally. have. Whereas, like, I feel like they kind of made the Shiloh brothers kind of just the generic wear of black tights. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, we can have the, the Texas hat, but then you're just every Texas wrestler from the early days. That, you know what I mean? They, like, absolutely. Yeah. Do they? Do they even really show a shot of the other Shiloh brother? I don't think so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I have like, Second. But like you see his image on the poster that they rip up and eat in the first scene, but I think that's it. Yeah, that's what you do. You come out with the poster as a as a Ruski. You rip it up, you beat it. So we're wearing the the red jersey. It's you do really ridiculous Russian accent. Actually, one doesn't do a Russian accent. I'm sure he did, but like you have one that doesn't do the Russian accent because it's Sam, and then you have the other one that does do the Russian accent. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> then you have to have mom. Then you can have like. Someone come out as mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know they should have gotten mom to bump. That's what should have happened, really. You know, instead of yeah, Ronnie yeah. taking all the bumps and dying of a heart attack, he should have just been like, "Mom, I'm tagging right? you in." <laughs> that would have been hilarious. So the thing uh, I can remember if Sam and you, if and I had this conversation, was like, like if you were to if you were to cosplay Sam and Al for wrestling, Al is obviously very easy to do. But how would you do Sam? I don't know. Like, I, I was well, thinking about that when... I was thinking about that when my friend Dave hit me up. He was like, hey, you should totally do this. It would be amazing. But I'm like, well, he jumps into so many outfits. Which version would you be? Would you be the wrestling one? Would you be, like, just... Well, you could I be... You could be the Fermi suit, which is, like, the white skin-tight suit that you always see, like, like from the pilot episode when he's leaping originally. Um also, in a lot of the marketing material that that's come out, like on the Blu-rays, Sam is always in the bomber jacket from right. from the pilot episode. Actually, I had, uh, uh, our friend Kevin, who guessed it on the episode earlier this season, he remembered Quantum Leap as being a half-hour sitcom, <laughs> and every, and every episode, no matter no matter where or when Sam was, he was always dressed in that bomber jacket. <laughs> what? And every did episode, you think I, it was wings? I maybe. Well, I did not think of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it was. I, had to have been. I, I think you're right. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the bomber jacket would be uh, another tip off. I don't know. Hmm, definitely. Like, what do we have to do is Google quantum leap and see what like. Actually, this, while I'm talking, I'm going to Google Quantum Leap cosplay. Let me see what this looks nice. Like. Well, one thing that you, you know, one thing what? as Sam is that you could do the white streak in your hair, and that would that would you know help a bit, probably, maybe. I don't know. I have I, I have no idea how it could be done. That's that's why that's that's hmm. why you you get paid to do it. I'm just I'm just hosting a podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm seeing, okay, I'm seeing a lot of owl already. Yeah, yeah, you see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see, I'm hitting images now. Uh, let me go. Why is Back to the Future in here? That's quantum leap, <laughs> not Back to the Future. Oh, they're showing a picture, and it's, he's in the bomber jacket. Nice. Huh. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, another picture. Wow, like almost all the sci-fi promotional stuff is in the jacket. Or you could do, oh my god, the Scott Bakula as a woman with the the orange and black dress. Yeah. The, the black veil. That'd be hilarious. That would be awesome. Uh, I'm trying to see. There's actually not a lot of. No one's really done Quantum Leap cosplay. I'm like, I'm going through. I don't think anyone's really done it. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I see. I see. I've seen some people dress up as Al for Halloween, but uh, yeah. D- yeah. Dennis wishes he had Al's wardrobe. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I mean, we've we've interviewed the costume designer. I just need to reach deep into my pockets and, and make some money. Stay tuned for my GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, hey, speaking uh, not that is a GoFundMe, but uh, just to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done, Leva. I, I just had to ask a question. You did like um, a video game uh, Twitch stream play thing for charity uh, this past year for Toys for Tots, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Like, how did you come up with that? Was that something that, that you'd heard about or something that you just decided to do? Had you done it before? Uh, it's the first time I really did something on that level. I mean, obviously, I like to give... I usually always donated toys or whatever for Toys of Us every year. Like, I buy a bunch of toys uh, and then donate them. And then I don't remember if I was talking to someone. And I'm like, well, instead of just buying, like, a couple toys, whatever, I raise money and then... Like through Twitch, because that's what good thing Twitch can do. Because you have the donation bar, you can collect money. And I saw who, who was it? I saw that did a stream like that. Was it Josh Petersdorf? It wasn't for a Christmas one, but it was for like he did a charity stream. And I thought that was really cool. So I'm like, oh my god, that's a really good idea. So you, so me and my moderator kind of got together. I was like, let's do a Christmas stream where it's Toys for Tots. We raise money. To, to buy toys for children and then I will try to as much as I can uh, stream or document me shopping for the toys so people can feel like they're a part of it so I did that a lot but a lot of times when you go to the mall your signal sucks so it's more like oh here's the pictures or here's what I bought because you try to stream and there's no signal so but uh, I tried to stream as much as I could and take pictures or like, here's what I'm buying, guys. You know, this is what your money is going to. So yeah, I, so they know that, like, I'm really doing it. I remember seeing pictures uh, on your Twitter because it's, it's funny, actually, I think between my wrestling podcast, the Fates Wide Wheel podcast, and then my own personal Twitter, that there's three followers that you have right there. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I remember seeing that. I just Make that, a few more accounts. Right? Keep following me. <laughs> um, no, I, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so speaking of Twitch, uh, where uh, can people find you if they you know, want to follow you, um, you know, want to support you and, and see what you're up to? Definitely follow me there. I have YouTube. I want to say it's just under Leva Bates. Uh, my show is called Leva's Random Life. I don't get to make it as often as I would like to do it, but I do have uh, 14 episodes up there, so I can watch the past ones. And 
could also go through my K-pop playlist and be like, oh my god, this girl needs help. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I'm pretty much on all social medias. Uh, I have a wrestling tea, pro, pro wrestling tea store. If you type in Leva Bates, you'll find, the sh- find that stuff. But yeah, I think that's basically it. I have a Facebook, official Facebook. It's called Leva Bates Official FB Page. Uh, I don't update that as much as I should. Basically, I update it through Instagram. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't know
Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Leva. Thank you so Thank very you so much, much for joining us. Uh, I, Thanks I, for I, having me. I know I went off the rails a few times, so. Oh, <laughs> I was like, if you listen to the show, this is nothing but off the rails. Uh, yeah, that's all we do. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, have a, have a great time in Berwyn. I, I, I hate we're, uh, my family, we're going to be out of town that weekend, so I will miss you, but hopefully next time. Definitely, definitely. And you're going to be there, right, Sam? Yeah, I will be. I will be there uh, the whole. Uh, actually, I'm not going to be there Friday night, but I'll be there uh, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, sitting sitting in the front row. Woohoo! So, and I will see you there. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome! All right, guys. I'm actually going to pick up my laundry that's probably been sitting there for two hours now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you so so much for spending that time with us. We really appreciate it. And yeah. uh, in the meantime, uh, take care of yourself. I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. All right. All right. Yeah, see you soon. Bye, see you guys. Soon. Take, take care, Leva. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Well, we, we made it through. Um, to, to be completely honest, uh, uh, not without technical difficulties, which we'll see how those shape up, dear listeners, um, because there were, there were quite a few of them. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this episode ship-shape by the time it needs to come out next week. Um, but in the meantime, Dennis, that's all I got. That's all I got. Let's see Pat here, and we will see you all next week for Nuclear Family. Or Nuclear. Nuclear. Nuclear Family. Nuclear Family next week. Uh, it'll be a, a good one. That's a good episode. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I think in summation, one last thing I'll say is uh, I think we can all agree that Heart of a Champion is, is a pretty damn good episode, actually. And uh, even, you know, in the midst uh, of, of an episode like Last Dance Before Execution holds up really well. Um, and uh, you should check it out if you haven't already seen it. And if you haven't already seen it, what the hell are you doing listening to this podcast? Right, exactly. Thank you for sticking with us for uh, for however long this episode <laughs> ends up being. Once I, once I have to chop it up with all the technical difficulties, it could be like an hour long. So we'll see. All right, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll see. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. I want to stay.